not sure how old I was. I was probably about somewhere in that oh, 19 to 22 range. And I remember there was a sound store right in the middle of Toowoomba where I grew up. And it was only a little store, but he had the speakers and everything set up. And I happened to go in there one day and I was looking around and he wasn't really busy. And because of that, we kind of got talking. And maybe that was, that was the, probably the, the problem to begin with because as he showed me stuff, he showed me this amazing surround sound system and he put some music on and, and he started playing. And so this sounds amazing. This is awesome. He even had it set up in like, a, so you can sit in a lounge chair and, and sort of feel the music around you. So all this created a bit of desire for me and sort of like, oh, this, I'd really love to have this sound system in my life. It would, it would make me happy. It would make me happy. And the thing is, like, and then I even like use things to justify. I found out this guy was a Christian guy. I was a Christian business owner. I went, if I buy it from him, I'm supporting a fellow Christian. And, 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 but it, I, didn't, I didn't buy it straight away. I, I actually kept on every time I'd, I'd go past, I'd just drop in and have a look at it again. And this probably went on for months. It went on for months because I couldn't afford it. And then because I had created that desire within myself that this thing will make me happy, and this was a, there was a, even foolishness, because like, you could kind of overlook things. At the time, I was living at home. And so the lounge room was not my lounge room. So even though I'd buy this surround sound system, I wouldn't be able to set it up in there. I'd have to set it partially up in my bedroom and wouldn't be able to even set it up and, and fully experience the surround sound with, with um, the subwoofer going and everything like that. But the more the desire, more that idea that this would make me happy, I kind of overlooked some of those logical things. And, and still, like, didn't have enough money to be able to buy it. I was working... But like to save up the money for this, and, and, I, and even I use things like, this will be a lifetime investment. This is what I'm going to use for the rest of my life. Um, anyway, I found a way to actually get what I wanted so I could be happy. I can't remember what it was, but it was one of those like finance sort of programs. You can get it interest-free. I'm going to interest-free, that's great. I'll be able to pay it off, and it won't, it won't cost me anything extra. That was the plan. But of course, and so I signed on the dotted line and, and got the money and I got the sound, surround sound system and set it partially up in my bedroom and looking forward to the day when I'd move out by myself and be able to use it fully. But as the years went by, like, it didn't get paid off. And, and as I, I moved to Brisbane later on, I realised, yep, I now have a house where I can set up my surround sound system, but I also have to make a trip once a fortnight to go pay a bill. And it seemed to go on for not months, but years. And even though I've enjoyed, I've still got a significant part, significant part of that sound system still today. I've had to replace a few components, but it's mostly still there. I went, yeah, I enjoy it, but it hasn't brought everlasting happiness. In fact, I reckon the happiness it brought me was less than the pain and frustration of paying it off. But we all go through experience like this where we look for something to bring us happiness and it becomes a focal point for us. It's something that we want to, we, we, we go, if this thing happens, then I will, I will I'll bring, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy, I'll be sort of fulfilled, but 
we find that it doesn't actually bring the lasting happiness or joy that we thought it would. Like, and, and, and we can do it with so many different things. We can do it with little things. We can do it with really big things. We can do it with things that we can hold on to. We can do it with relationships. We can do it with positions. And the thing is, like, yeah, we can go, in, in my career, if I can just do this in my career, then I'll finally be happy. Has anyone ever left a job that, oh, this is the worst job in the world, they go to a new job, and they look back at that old job, I go, I wish I was back there. Because this new job was meant to bring me happiness. This new job was everything I thought it was going to be. And it's not. Maybe it's our relationships. So maybe it's, it's finding someone to marry. Or maybe you go, oh, we live in a world where people go, if I just get rid of this person and find another one and get an upgrade, then I can, that'll be bring me happiness. Maybe it's like I've got to have more friends or better quality friends or, or, or I've got to have friends that will bring me sig- significance and success. Maybe it's our hobbies. If I can just do this or just do that, I can feel that, that point of happiness. What's, what's that one thing? If that thing just clicks over and, and gets right in my life, all of a sudden I will be happy. I won't have any more complaints. Now, this is what I've realized in my life. There are a lot of those little things that I've said to myself, if this just happens in my life, I'll be happy, and I'll be happy in that moment. And then days later, maybe even by the end of the day, I'm not happy anymore. I was just sharing with Karen before church the idea of Christmas. Christmas becomes one of these things you sit down and there is this overwhelming sort of flood of, of newness. Things you're crazily ripping, oh, well, awesome and awesome and got this. Occasionally you get that pressure going, what is it and what do I do with it? And how much money can I get back for it? But like most of the time we, we get presents where we go, this is amazing. Yet in our world, we have people who are getting presents on Christmas Day who flood the shops on Boxing Day because I'll be happier or I might be happy if I can get a little bit more, or a lot more. There is a great deal. There is a TV that I can't even get into my car, but if I can own that TV, I will be happy. Like, maybe it's clothing, maybe it's shoes, maybe it's those other things. And it's not saying that if you've been planning on doing something, not saying you shouldn't go out shopping on Boxing Day, but if you're looking for those things to actually bring you happiness, it will only be short-lived. It will only sort of, it will only be momentary in your life. Um, the thing is, in the church, sometimes we think, like, you know what, happiness, that's not for us. We are called to suffer as Christians, and some of us do it very well. We suffer well. Like, we, we actually, well, it seems like we go out of a way to kick our toes on the cupboard going, thank you God for that, so my suffering is now complete. No, you've got another toe. You can kick that one too. Like, um, but the thing is, we, we, some of us almost pride ourselves in our suffering because that's what we're meant to do. I want to I disagree with that today. Like, we, are, we do suffer in life. We actually suffer sometimes for knowing Jesus. Sometimes we suffer because we do silly things. Okay, They are not the same. And so if you think your suffering is holy, it may not be. Okay? 
So don't, don't sort of stay there. Because like, sometimes, like, if I speed in my car and then the, those Christmas lights that are red and blue flash behind me and the, and then police pulls me over and goes, here's a ticket that's going to take away from your Christmas lunch, that suffering that I'm feeling is not because I'm following God well. You get my point there? Like, just because you suffer in something, God may not play into that. But sometimes we will suffer because... We are Christian because we believe in God and we've seen that in our world in recent times. But the thing is, I want to talk about, if, if we think that we are not called to be happy as Christians, if we aren't happy, we are what? Unhappy. And this is the thing, I know, I know for certain, I've read the Bible from cover to cover, even though there is suffering we are, there is not a promise that you are called to be unhappy. That is your lot in life. You are called to be miserable. We're actually called to be happy. And, and, and the thing is, I even said to my wife this morning, I'm not feeling it today. But it, again, do we base our happiness on how we feel on a Sunday morning? Like, is, is there a, a pre-coffee ha- like unhappiness and a, a post-coffee happiness or, or, or a pre-chocolate ha- unhappiness and a post-chocolate unhappiness? Or like, again, all those things become circumstantial for our happiness. And I, wanna, I want our happiness to, to actually be based on what God wants for us. And, and no one should want to be unhappy. That shouldn't be our goal. Okay, so if that's your goal in life, turn around and go the other direction. Okay, if you are, like, see, some people, like, they're, this is not all, I feel like I'm picking on the old people today. I'm not picking on the old people. Some old people just get into that cranky mould. Okay, some of you may know those people. If you don't know any of those people, you're probably them. Okay, so, like, if you think everyone else around me is happy, you're probably that old person that's not so happy. But some people, I've met people that they're cranky in their 20s, and I'm going, what are they going to be like in their 70s? Like, if they're complaining about every single thing that's wrong in life now, when they hit 70, wow, that's going to be a visit when you go sit down with them. Like, okay, let me get out my list. But the thing is, in saying that, we shouldn't want to be unhappy. We should want to be, ha- uh, we should want to be happy. We should want to know the joy that God has for us. And this is the question. Doesn't God want me to ha- be, ha- be happy? Does, doesn't God want me to know joy? And I will always answer this question the exact same way. Yes, God wants you to be happy. That is God's desire for you. Listen to what the Bible teaches in Psalm 144.15. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. The Bible says the people who, whose God is the Lord are happy. The people who have God, and this is the thing, you may have God in your life, but he may not be Lord to you. He may fall second, third, 50th in your life. But if God is Lord in your life, the psalmist says, yes, we will be happy because God is Lord in our life. This doesn't leave us with any doubts about God's heart for our happiness. So for followers of Jesus, happiness should be an ever-present part of our lives. And not only that, the pursuit of happiness, like idea, but the pursuit of happiness is an act of worship as we seek to be full of what God wants to have for us. When we are laying our lives down for Jesus, when the one true God is our Lord, we are happy people. 
And I think that's part of where the problem exists for us because sometimes God, we've sort of give part of our life to God and, and then we sort of keep part of it for ourselves and maybe we give part of it over here. Um, anyone ever sort of tried to straddle a fence? Um, like, and the thing is, when, we are, and when you're on one side of the fence, it's comfortable. When you're on the other side of the fence, it's comfortable. When you're in the middle of the fence, not so comfortable. And that's what we try and do with God because basically we jump on this spiritual barbed wire fence and we're going, okay, I'm trying to follow God this way, I'm trying to follow God this way, and that barbed wire is going places it shouldn't be going. Like we, we, we get that discomfort and all of a sudden we are robbed of joy. We are robbed of, of the purpose that God has for us. We must ask the question, when I pursue happiness, why is it that so often I end up no happier than when I started? If you were thinking that question, I'm glad you asked. The answer is simple. Happiness is not found where we normally look for it. Happiness is not found where we normally look for it. Uh, I've been thinking about this um, um, a little bit over this weekend because I went, oh, what, what am I basing, what am I looking forward to in my life for me to be happy? And, and, and like what boxes need to be ticked and before I go, do you know what, I can wake up, I can face the week ahead, like is it everything that I do happens, like is it people rock up to church, are there things in my life, if they work out fine, if like everything becomes easier, I can, I can get plenty of sleep, what, what are the things in my life? And I went, all of that becomes very circumstantial. And I, but even worse, I was thinking about some of the things in my life that I want the box ticks for, could be months away some of them may never happen and as I started thinking about that if I if I have boxes that need to be ticked in my life for me to be happy that are months away or years away or maybe not even based in reality does that mean I'll never be happy and so I was very challenged with this idea that we are often looking in the places that um that happiness is not found and I think about the culture we live in today. We are constantly barraged by things supposed to make us happy. Like, I don't know if you've got a no junk mail sign up on your, on your mailbox, but those who don't, they get the catalogs or piled high saying, look at this, all the things that you can buy. And like, I've got to the point now, I can't afford anything, not even worth looking at the moment. I have to wait till I can afford something before I can even look. And we, are, we, are, we start to think that happiness can be attained by this change of circumstances. This, this ticking of the boxes in our life. We get a new raise or a new job. We get into that new relationship. We, we lose weight. We get taller. So maybe you're, you're still growing. You go, oh, if I just get taller, I'll be happier. If you are 70, maybe, if you're probably 30 and above, um, if you're wanting to get taller... Stand on your tippy toes, okay? Um, wear high heels. Um, that's pretty much all I can, I can offer you there. But, but sometimes like, when you're growing up, if I can just be taller, I'll be so much happier. Maybe your health improves. I, when my health improves, then I'll be happy. And maybe it doesn't improve. And the, and the list can go on here with so many other things. So we constantly find ourselves on this happiness-seeking hamster wheel. We're running around in circles going, if this will just happen in my life, I'll finally be ha happy. And it doesn't happen. 
or it happens and you go, it doesn't bring me happiness for very long. And so you start running again for that next thing in your life. Or maybe we actually reach the destination of what we think will bring us happiness and it, it doesn't last or it needs to come to an end. I don't know how about you, but I, I love the feeling of, of holidays about to start. I hate the feeling of packing everything up and driving home again. Like, you, you see, it brings me happiness. And, and on that first day of, of you go, oh, it's a really long drive to get here. We're unpacked. We're all set up. You finally relax. Day two, you wake up. You feel, oh, yeah, we can do whatever we want today. And then whatever day, whether it's day four, day five, day ten, Everything goes back in our caravan. Everything We drive all the way home from wherever we are. Usually the drive becomes ridiculously long and, and you go, all that happiness is quickly sort of robbed from your system. So it lasted for a moment. Maybe you're looking forward to a parcel arriving in the mail. Anyone like doing that? Australia Post, they sort of go, your, your parcel's arriving today. Joy, I've got joy in my life, I'm happy. And whatever it is, electronics, clothes, food, whatever it is, you're excited to unwrap it, but it just becomes part of normal life. The, the, the joy of it goes. This is nothing new. Humans have been doing this forever. The only difference is now we have so much more choices when it comes to pursue all the sorts of things that promise to make us happy. There are so many more things that promise us happiness Hundreds of years before the coming of Jesus, um, God spoke to the children of Israel through the prophet Jeremiah. God's indictment of people in that generation is the exact same thing we are talking about here today. In Jeremiah 2.13, it says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. So you go back to that psalm passage. The people are happy whose God is, is the Lord. So first evil, they have forsaken me. If they've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Now, who's got any of those, those plugs that push into your sink? They push in and are meant to seal it up. Um, I think we've actually got one here at the church, and I think I've even got one at home. You push it in the sink, and it doesn't do the job it meant to do. It doesn't hold the water in. And so you run a, a sink full of hot water, ready to wash the plates, and you come back later, and you go, okay, let's do that again, and I'll just wash up really quickly. It doesn't do the job. Well, a cistern was basically something to hold water, drinking water, cleaning water, and, and basically God was saying through Jeremiah that you've actually carved for yourselves things that can't do the job that they're intended to do. It's like making a car with no wheels, like... Like it, it might look good on the, on, the, on the stands, but you'll never be, and you might be able to sit in there and pretend you're driving. You might be able to turn the radio on the aircon on. Like you can do all that part, but it doesn't do the actual driving bit. It doesn't get you from A to B. It stays at A. The same way the Israelites were condemned and, and, and judged for, for making cisterns that did not hold the water. And like Jeremiah said, we all have the tendency to try and create our own versions of happiness. And this is what it means by making our own systems. 
and the, we have ideas about what happiness is and how it works and how we try and make it happen. But the problem is our self-made ideas about happiness are broken to begin with. They can't do the things that we want them to do. And yet, we will pursue them harder or more or we, we invest in stuff more going, if I just have more of it, I'll be happy. These cisterns, if you poured more water into it, what would happen? The water would still run out. So you could put one litre in and one litre would run out. You go, okay, I've got this. If I put 10 litres in, that'll make it. Oh, oh, no, put 10 litres in, 10 litres run out. Oh, 100 litres. Now the thing is, you may think that's foolish, but we tend to follow that pattern. If I just get more of this in my life, it'll make me happy. And we pour it into our life and it runs out. Okay twice the size, I'll get a bigger bucket and I'll pour it into our lives and, and whatever that thing that we're pursuing, all of a sudden it doesn't work. It keeps rushing out of our life and it's not staying. Now the difference was, Jesus actually said, I'm living, I'm a living fountain. Now, even with a living fountain, you've got to go back to it, you've got to sort of, you've got to use it, it's, it's there all the time for you to actually dive into or get a drink from, it's available to you. It wasn't something that we could sort of go, I'm just going to just put Jesus in a bottle and take him home. It was, you've got to go back and rely on him all the time. To make matters worse, our desires to create our own systems, or in our desire to create our own systems, we also forsake God in the process. The problem with this, of course, is that God is the one that we need to go to to actually find happiness that will last, to actually be crazy happy. Jesus is the only source of satisfaction and quenching. So Rolling Stones saying, I can't get no satisfaction, well, they didn't know Jesus because that's where it is found. It is, it's, there's no other place, no other name under the heaven can you find the things that Jesus offers. And without him directing our happiness, we will never be happy. This is the key. Whenever we come to a place where we are creating those broken systems, we are searching for happiness in the wrong places. We must turn back to the Lord and let him lead us into happiness. So what does this look like? How does Jesus lead us into happiness? Well, Jesus defines happiness as being blessed. Now, can you remember where that was mentioned this morning already, the idea of being blessed? What was that? Matthew 5, so what Hans read this morning, he read the Beatitudes. We're going to be, we're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks. So this is actually quite a classic teaching of Jesus, the Beatitudes. And in this section, um, we, we basically see Jesus teaching a, a crowd of people. And he, the thing is, what we love the Beatitudes to say is, blessed are those who work hard because they will get the results of their, of, of their effort. Because we go, oh yeah, I'll put the effort in. A plus B equals C. We'd love that in life. Um, we'd go, blessed are those ones who show up to church every week because they will, get, they will get the true reward. Blessed are those who dress up for church. They'll even get a better reward. Blessed are those who actually have the right answer for every question the pastor asks. They will be truly blessed. Blessed are those who show up early. Blessed are those who stay late. Because all of a sudden we can measure those things. And we go, look at what I've done. But when we look at that passage in Matthew, it says, 
Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those uh, the meek. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted. What, what are you talking about, God? Jesus is like, I'm, I'm just wondering how, you know how I see this with you some of the time. Sometimes you just nod and agree to what I'm saying, but in your head you're doing this. No way, I'm not doing that. I just imagine that, that Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying all these things. Some people weren't listening. They were just nodding along. Some people were going, I, they would have had a confused look. Jesus would have looked out. There would have been people who were confused. And there will be people who are going, okay, I'm just going to back away. I'm just going to back away. Like, blessed are those who are persecuted. Because when you, when you break it down a little bit, the modern translations of, of bless are, oh, how happy are those who mourn. Oh, how happy are those who are persecuted. That, how does that work? So a blessed person is a happy person, but what we need to realise in the Beatitudes, it's about who we are becoming and who we are in the certain situations that we find ourselves. So that no matter what situation you're in, no matter what circumstance is on the horizon for you, it is who you are becoming in Christ that becomes important. Because the Beatitudes are the be-attitudes, not the do-attitudes. So it's not about showing up to church. It's about who you are when you come to church. It's not about how much money you give. It's about what heart you give with. It's not about what good people see you doing. It's actually the, the feeling and the motive that go with that. Have you ever been caught trying to do something like, you, maybe there's a, um, I'll, I'll pick on you after church, because maybe you line up for morning tea and you go, that food there looks good. It's going to take a little bit extra. No one will see me. And, and, and I'll, so I am being a little bit greedy, but I'll, I'll, no, it's not a big deal. After the, fifth, after the fifth scoop, it is a big deal, okay? So back, to, only, only two scoops, whatever. But the thing is, if someone sees you, oh, I'm going to stop at number one I'm not, because I don't want to appear that I'm greedy. Now, the thing is, God knows that we're greedy. He knows what we intended to do. God knows what was in our heart. And so this is why they are called the be attitudes and not the do attitudes. It's about who we are becoming and, and, and it's, it's about who we are in Jesus. Jesus will lead us into this blessed life. Jesus will lead us into this happy life. So as this series unfolds, we'll be unpacking all of the Beatitudes and doing some really um, different stuff and, and, and tying them in with the fruit of the Spirit, which we find in Galatians 5. But for now, it's really important for us to recognize how Jesus uniquely defines happiness and where it is found. He doesn't say what we expect. He says, happiness is found in places like humility and sadness and meekness and mercy because according to Jesus, happiness is found in those unexpected places. It's found in surprising places. It's found in crazy places. And that's why I want to call this life with Jesus the crazy happy life. Now, when a person is crazy happy, something extraordinary happens. 
because the blessed person bears fruit. The blessed person bears fruit. And the cool thing about this is bearing fruit is what God is all about. He desires for our lives to bear, to bear beautiful fruit. Now this is, again, we have a bit of a problem here because what we do, we often come with our seeds to God. Say, God, yes, I want to be blessed. Yep, I do want that. Um, and, and sometimes we, we mistranslate it. I want to be lucky. No, 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 we want to be blessed, which is, oh, how happy. And, but we come to God and we say, God, this is my thing. I'm going to give it to you and I want you to make that grow and bear fruit. So God, I've, I've, I've put money into investment. I want you to multiply Do what you can. God, this is my church. I want you to grow it so that I look really successful. God, this is my relationships. Make everyone in my life happy and joyful and, and, and not get on my nerves. Uh, God, this is, this is what I want to do in my life. Can you, can you grow it? But that's not what God is talking about. He's not talking about God just giving us the things we want. That's another guy. Beard, red suit, Santa Claus. Not God. Because God actually knows what we want even better than that. Because he's talking about beautiful fruit. So listen to um, what Jesus says in John 15, 8. Jesus says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So it's in God's plan for us to be blessed, to bear fruit, to grow fruit in our lives, to see that happening. God is what God desires for us. So God wants us to be happy. And the main characteristic of a disciple or learner of Jesus is to bear fruit. Now I'm all on board for that. And that's why I go to God with, with the great idea and I ask him to bless it, as I was saying before. But when our lives bear the fruit of the crazy happy life, we know God is glorified in our lives. And what is the fruit God wants us to bear? Anyone want to have a shot in the dark at this one? The fruit of the Spirit. Okay. So we, that's what, so we look at Galatians 5, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is everything at work happening the way I want it. My marriage is going well. My kids are always listening to me and respecting me. I've got more money in the bank than I know what to do with. My car never breaks down, never has any problems. I, I look at chocolate and I lose weight. Like, um, food is just miraculously su supplied from my garden onto my table, cooks itself. That's kind of sometimes what we want. You may have your own little version of that. But this is, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, Paul does not put any disclaimer in this. He says the fruit of the Spirit, which only happens when your life is going well, or the fruit of the Spirit when you, you are at ease and at peace... He doesn't put any disclaimer in there. The fruit of the Spirit is this. So if God is bearing fruit in your life, no matter whether you are on a mountaintop or whether you're in a valley or somewhere in between, God says this fruit should be growing in our lives. We should be becoming more loving. And the thing is, we go, oh, I, I, I like this side of the church. I'm not sure about that side of the church. No, God says loving. That just flows from us. It's not something we get out of it. Um, joy. 
We're talking about happiness. We're talking about, we're talking about peace. Long-suffering. Patience. Mm. Kindness. I'm kind to those people who are kind to me. Even if there is a little bit of um, passive-aggressiveness in that, that conversation I have with them, I'm, 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 I'm respectful, but I'm passive-aggressive. Well, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. That's just being, we're being taught to be polite. Jesus said we need, to, Paul said we need to have kindness and goodness. That's character, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It is fascinating that there are nine unique Beatitudes and also nine fruits of the Spirit. Is it done by chance? Is it done on purpose? I don't know. It seems that as we simply respond to Jesus, the Spirit of God brings an amazing harvest in our lives. The harvest is full of the fruit of the Spirit. And when this happens, our lives take on the beautiful qualities we desire and when we find ourselves fulfilled and truly happy. When we realise God wants us to be happy and the Lord has already shown us the way to happiness, we can begin that journey. What would our lives look like if we followed Jesus into this crazy, happy life? How different would your experiences be? And in the following weeks, we're going to learn more about the blessed life and the fruit that comes from it. But I, I just want to leave you with a question, because there's a question that God impressed upon me this morning as I was, I was coming here. What are the things that you are relying on for happiness right in your life right now? And, and again, it's going to be different for everyone. You might go, if, if I can just get the best mark in my class, I'll be happy. Or if I can just find this, or if this happens. And I'm going, they may not be bad things. But what I'm saying, if that thing becomes the thing that brings us happiness, these two things could happen. One, you never get it. And, and by the way you're setting yourself up, you'll never be truly happy. Secondly, you could get it. And again, the happiness will be short-lived and you'll never truly be happy. We actually, we need to make sure that those things that we are hanging on to for happiness do not remove us from focusing on Jesus and, 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 and going to him for happiness and letting him be that living fountain of blessedness in our lives. This is a journey that we need to be on individually, but also together. And I'm excited as we, dis as we discover this more in the coming weeks to find out how we live out this crazy, happy life. Let's just pray together. Lord, I just want to thank you today that you have promised to bring us joy and joy that overflows, joy that allows ourselves to to get to the point where we just know clearly um, the way to walk, where we are seeing your fruit in our lives abundantly, where we know love and joy and peace. Lord, we, we thank you that you desire that for us. I pray that we are wise enough that we will look in the places that you have for us. I, I pray that we would, we would know in our hearts that you have intended for us happiness and in so doing you will show us the way to find it in our own lives i pray that we realize that it is about who we are becoming in you that will produce the blessedness that you desire for us 
And I pray for the coming weeks as we join again that this will become not just an idea in our heads but a reality in our lives. We pray this in your name.